Latino Stories, Historias Latinas, es un podcast que nace del proyecto de narrativas orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio, con entrevistas en español, inglés, and Spanglish. Welcome to Latina Latino Stories. I'm Elena Fallis. My guest today in the studio is Byron Reina Corso. Reina Corso has spent the past four years traveling the Midwest as a luchador known as Espíritu Maya and recently participated in the play Luchadora, which gave him the opportunity to mix his passion for Lucha Libre and acting. Today, we'll be talking about Lucha Libre, which some described as a sport and an art form. Although the origin of Lucha Libre dates back to the late 1800s, the golden age of Lucha Libre came in the 50s and 60s. Bienvenido a este episodio, Byron. Hola, ¿cómo estás? Bien. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in Southern California, so... Uh, between the San Fernando Valley and like the Northridge, Panorama City area, and then the desert. Um, so up near Palmdale and that general area. So uh, went between the two, spent most of my high school ages in the desert, and then um, actually ended up moving back down to the valley right before I moved out to Ohio for college. So um, pretty interesting background, raised with a uh, you know predominantly Spanish-speaking family. Mm -hmm. um, and then over time, as I went to school and learned English, I wasn't the one that was teaching them. Um, mm -hmm. So that was always pretty nice. So <laughs> um, I feel like I have a good mix between like my Spanish and my English, although I feel like definitely in recent years, English has dominated a little bit more just being out here in Ohio. Right, right. Uh, so what's your heritage? What's uh, your family heritage? So nací in Mazatenango, Suchitipec, es Guatemala. Mm -hmm. um, so My family's all Guatemalan, my mom and my dad both. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think I'm like 5% Spanish because I think my grandfather was like uh, half from Spain or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, my entire family is pretty much uh, Guatemalteco. Right. So did you grow up, um, I mean, you grew up in Southern California, but did you grow up with some of those that traditions, like Guatemalan traditions or um, just culture surrounded by that? Yeah, so... I came to the States when I was three years old. Um, so I feel like most of the traditions that we did keep were all predominantly like food based. Uh -huh. um, I, I don't recall like a lot of the, I would say like holidays or anything like that, that we would really maintain. My mom would always tell me about them and how she would like, you know, uh, have them back when she was growing up and all the traditions and like how it was great for her. But uh, surprisingly, we never really did too much of that. Um, I think my biggest one that we did keep, though, was uh, like Navidad. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, staying up till midnight, big family get together, everyone's there, right. uh, you know, just right. a bunch of just activities with the family. So I think that's always my favorite one, because I, I think especially just in Hispanic culture, it's unique because it's such a late night. Mm -hmm. like, I remember yeah. Christmas, we would I'd always be up till like three or four in the morning, just, right. you know, with family gifts, everything. So I think that's probably the one that we always at least kind of try to keep as as normal as we could have. Yeah. And this, of course, is Noche Buena, which is yep. Christmas Eve. And then you, you know, go into Christmas late you know, or early morning, I guess. Right. Very early morning. Yeah. Those, yeah. Da those days were long, too, because like everyone would start showing up in like the middle of the day. And it's just a family, <laughs> a family gathering for all, essentially 24 hours because you're right. just everyone's together the entire day, almost the entire night. Yeah, that's great. Um, so what made you come to Ohio? You mentioned, you know, after high school, you came here. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to see what else was out there. Uh, growing up in Southern California, the only other states I really had visited were like Arizona, because my biological dad lives out in Phoenix. 
uh, and then like the occasional trip to Las Vegas, which as a kid never really means anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, the United States is, is huge. Like mm-hmm. there's so many other states out there. I've never been out further than Arizona. I need to know what's out there. Mm-hmm. And so when I was looking at schools, I pretty much like looked at everything but California. My parents were both <laughs> like, oh, are you sure you don't want to stay? And I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> so I ended up coming to school out here in Ohio, about an hour north of Columbus in uh, Ashland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to Ashland University and it just, I don't know what it was about Ohio. It reminded me a little bit more about that desert because it was like a small town. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to Ashland, but mm-hmm. it's pretty much just, you have your small old Ohio downtown area that's, you know, very tiny right. and then the college. And so it just felt like home mm-hmm. and ended up studying uh, public relations and marketing. Um, really wanted to go into like sports because I was huge into sports growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually ended up kind of switching out of that and just kind of focused more like the general side of uh, like PR and marketing. But mm-hmm. yeah, so that's kind of how it ended up out here. And then after I graduated, is when I moved down to Columbus. I mm-hmm. had a couple of friends. Um, one of them is actually Mexican himself, uh, Chris mm-hmm. Carrillo. Mm-hmm. He had basically said, there's just a lot more opportunity down there. It's right. like a larger city. We should consider it. And so I said, you know what? Why not? Like, it's it's something different. I was kind of bored of living up in that area at that point in time and mm-hmm. uh, moved down here about four years ago now. And honestly, like, have really grown to love Columbus and just the general area around here because there's so much more to do. And it's just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's kind of taken over as home for me, I would say. Right. Well, good. Um, Byron, over the past few years, you have been involved in wrestling. Uh, did you grow up watching Lucha Libre? Tell us a little bit about how you got started. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I've discovered pro wrestling through my cousin. Uh, it was one of those days where he just came over and was like, hey, like, I have this, I've been watching this, we have to watch it. And I said, all right, like I have no control. You're, you know, six years older than I am. So he took the remote and put it on and I was hooked. Um, at that time when I first started watching, like the the big program between the two Hispanic wrestlers at that time was Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. Um, they had so many different storylines that they were teasing with that one. But like, I don't know, it reminds me of like telenovelas mm-hmm. because there's just so much like story, there's drama, there's intrigue. But like as a as a boy, it's like, oh, like they're actually fighting over this. Like this is pretty cool. Um, and so that's how I got into it was just my cousin just putting it on one day and I was hooked. I watched, you know, every WWE show like Raw, SmackDown. I would never I could never watch the pay-per-views, but I would always like try to keep up and like see what they were updating as everything was happening back then, mm-hmm. uh, the dial-up days. And so that's kind of how I got into it, it was just my, my cousin. And ever since then, I just, they, that's how I connected was just those two, the two luchadors, because I'm just like, oh, like, they, they look like me, they speak Spanish, like mm-hmm. they, they connect with, you know, who I am and like my day to day life. And so that's kind of how I got, you know, immersed into that world. Right, right. Uh, so I remember growing up and um, hearing a name such as El Santo, Mil Mascaras, uh, Huracan Ramirez, and even watching movies with El Santo as protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, also seeing vendors on Sundays and at fairs selling masks, that's very popular and very common. Um, do, you, did, do you remember having experiences like that? Did you ever watch a movie with El Santo as protagonist? So I never watched the movies. I think like the only thing that really came close in regards to like what Hollywood put out was uh, Nacho Libre, which is always <laughs> funny to look back at now. Because um, I, I can't remember who the actual luchador was, but they actually had... Uh, one of the luchadors that actually portrayed the the antagonist, um, which was Ramses, and that to me was it was it's pretty authentic looking back on it because it's like legit like Ramses was larger than life. He was always in those suits. He mm-hmm. was living this lavish lifestyle, right. and then you look at uh, Nacho and um, 
I can't remember the the other his his partner's name, but that's that's kind of like what the lower like level scenes of like Lucha Libre is. Is you go in, it's a dusty ring, it's like an old venue, and mm-hmm. you know you're just you're just going out and entertaining. And so that was like the first movie exposure I got to it, and it's surprising how accurate it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like a lot of the other stuff, like the, the action figures, the toy belts, the, the masks that, that was a big part of the immersion. I used to always carry around like just a toy belt. Like I would always pretend I was going to be champion one day. And like my parents (laughs) always made fun of me for it. Um, but I did have a lot of those like names, like, like I mentioned, you know, with Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, we had psychosis, super crazy, uh, Juventud Guerrera. And so those were like that was my initial introduction into it was just those five, um, which is actually pretty cool because in my career I've actually wrestled Hoovy and Super Crazy, um, so mm-hmm. like that was like when I had those two matches I was like oh my gosh like these were the guys I watched on TV as a kid <laughs> like I get to wrestle with them now like this is so crazy, um, but yeah it's it's so interesting how much of that world can just take over your life without you really noticing it and mm-hmm. like how much you just don't even think about it when you're a kid and you know how how big and important it is to you right right why. Do you feel Lucha Libre is such a staple of Mexican wrestling? And it's, I mean, and I don't know if you can talk a little bit about the difference between like Mexican wrestling, Lucha Libre, Mm -hmm. um, what's unique about that versus like American wrestling. Yeah, so... It's it's similar to how they say in the play, like, you know, with, with your lines, you know, they're, they're superheroes. That's the real life superheroes. Uh, and like, that's why when you look at just how Mexican wrestling and Lucha Libre is portrayed, it's, it's larger than life. You have, you know, the capes, you have the masks, you have the secret identities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really is a battle of good versus evil. You have your technicos who, you know, can do all these high flying spots who are just larger than life. And then you have your rudos who cheat every chance they get, you know, try to, you know, really take over it and, and dominate any chance they get by taking any shortcut they can get to Mm -hmm. really cut the technicals down and so I think to me that's a lot of where that difference kind of lies between Lucha Libre and just standard pro wrestling Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's more it's more of a spectacle it's more of Mm -hmm. a, a huge huge audience so like you look at American sports, like you've got your football, basketball, all of those that, that are big draws. Mm-hmm. Where if you go like in Mexico, like your big sports are going to be like soccer and lucha libre. Like mm-hmm. you have kids that grow up right. that said, I'm going to be a luchador. Like they start training at young ages. They start doing all these crazy moves and everything right. like that. Um, one of my favorite videos, it's this like old like street vendor. It's just him and his son. And they just go out there and just do a bunch of like different <laughs> moves while like everyone's sitting at a red light. Uh-huh. And so it's it's much more than just a, you know, you can do this if you want. It's more of like, oh, wow, like this is amazing. Like the the arenas they have these shows in are huge. It's like a weekend spectacle. Everyone goes out. You have your abuelitas getting into it. You have your, <laughs> the kids getting into it. Like everyone is like, groups, yeah. yeah, this is like, this is a, like this. It's just the suspension of disbelief and really getting bought into it. Mm-hmm. Where I think we're in standard pro wrestling in America. Like it's something that's there, but it's not as huge. Mm-hmm. Like I remember growing up, like at certain age in high school when I stopped watching it is because obviously everyone's like, oh, like it's fake. Like this isn't real. Like, why do you care? Whereas in Mexico, it's like everyone knows, like, you know, there are certain parts of it that are staged, but it doesn't matter because it's such a huge like part of just daily life and culture and like what it means to everybody that, you know, it's it's no matter what you say about it. It's like if you're not into Lucha Libre, like what are you really doing? Mm-hmm. I like how you describe this idea of the good, good versus evil, because I remember, you know, some of the uh, the movies that I remember that again has the protagonist as El Santo. That El Santo is the only one I remember. Yeah, <laughs> but it was that right. He was a hero. He was there to protect the people in like a Robin Hood type of way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and yeah, so that uh, to me that um, 
even though you know there is some some aspect of performance in both lucha libre and American wrestling. Uh, there is a deeper story, I yeah. think, behind Lucha Libre and and certainly um, a very strong cultural connection, which you don't see as much in uh, American wrestling. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the good versus evil thing too. Like I think that's why when you look at like Mascara versus Mascara, it's like you're you're gonna like someone's identity is gonna be revealed. Like when you mm-hmm. think about it, as a superhero, like it's no no one knows who they are in real life you know they're they're out here you know helping society they're helping you know fight fight evil and so that's kind of where like you the difference is too with like pro wrestling is like everyone knows who you know mm-hmm. these what these people look like they know mm-hmm. your they know your backstory they know who you are where like el santo for example like never showed his face like i think he showed his face once before he died and that was it right and so there's just that mystique that allure of like this this could be the person walking next to me in the supermarket. Right. You know, I have no idea. Right. And so I think that's also what makes it just so different is that there's just so much like mystery behind it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to, I, I support these guys every weekend, but I have no idea who they actually are. But I think that's also what makes it special is because it keeps you invested. You don't just know like, Oh, that's um, like, for example, like a lot of the guys that I know, like that have, that I've met that I've gone on to like the mm-hmm. WWE. It's like, Oh, like, Hey, that's, you know, um, like, that's Lee Moriarty. Like, I know mm-hmm. who that is. I've seen mm-hmm. him, like, you know, outside of his element. Whereas, for example, like, you know, someone might see, um, like, Rey Mysterio, and they're like, I I don't really know, you know, his background, who he comes from, where he is, et cetera, you know, for someone that might be a new fan. And so I think that's just kind of where, like, I want to know more. Right, you know? right. So the type of wrestling that you've been doing lately, um, is it Lucha Libre? It's specifically, or is it a mix, or how, how so, would you describe it? Yeah, It's a mix. I do both. Um, so... Depending on where I'm wrestling. So, like, I think one of my favorite places to wrestle is in Chicago because mm-hmm. the, promo- the promotion out there is Gali Lucha Libre. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone there is Hispanic. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's, it was fun because for someone that hadn't practiced Spanish in so long when I first got there, yeah. it's like everyone's calling the matches in Spanish. Like, everyone's speaking in Spanish. So, like, you're trying to think, <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, like, am I going to remember everything? Am I translating this correctly? Am I understanding this correctly? <laughs> and so that's, like, pure Lucha Libre. Like, it's, uh-huh. you know, the Rulos come out and they're just there to, you know, cause havoc, have a bad time. And the Technicos are the ones doing all the flashy like rope work like i will say when i do like the like standard pro wrestling shows Mm -hmm. like i'll do some of like the lucha and like everyone's like oh wow but like at those shows like if you don't like take it to that next level no one's going to be impressed because you have so many guys that are doing so many crazy things Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so i think that's kind of where like that that mystique also lies because it's it's more about like the acrobatics and the high flying more Mm -hmm. so than like you know can i pick this guy up and body slam him so Mm -hmm. Those shows are a lot of fun. Um, everyone gets super into it. You have like your your vuvuzelas, your your noisemakers. Uh, everyone's yelling the entire time, and like those are such a blast. And then I'd also do like standard pro wrestling because it's more common around here in the Midwest. So mm-hmm. um, Ohio is a lot of mix of it. And but I've been trained in both, mm-hmm. and so I kind of like try to mix up whenever I can. So like you have your your arm drags, your hurricane ranas, your your tijeras, your corbatas, like those things. Like I try to mix in what I can that most people can you know be able to do safely, um, just to kind of have that allure and you know give the fans something a little bit different that they might not see on every show. Right, right. Um, so if you're doing lucha libre, are you a rudo or a técnico? Oh, I'm a técnico. Okay. Which is funny because <laughs> I'm really large for a técnico. Um, you know, most of the técnicos that I know, like even at Gali, for example, like I walk into Gali and I'm like usually like the second biggest guy there okay so like a lot of these guys are like five foot six five foot five and like that's what makes it easy to do a lot of that stuff is that you Mm -hmm. can you know maneuver them around because they're not big 
Um, so it's always funny when I go in there because it's just like, all right, like we're going to do this, this and that. And like these guys are smaller than me. Like, oh, yeah, we can do that. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, yeah. So <laughs> it's interesting because usually it's like the size disadvantage. Like if you're larger, you're usually a rulo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of like to break that mold there just because like, I, like, I like to do a lot of the high flying stuff. That's what mm-hmm. I, I learned and I trained. Like if I've learned it, I'm going to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, Byron, Lucha Libre has been a male-dominated sport. Uh, but have you seen that change? Is there uh, women claiming a space in, in Lucha? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like women's wrestling in general, even in Lucha, it's, it's definitely growing. Um, I think, of, for example, like my wrestling school here that's in Columbus, we have we've had three uh, women wrestlers that have gone through. One of them has actually gone on to like do extra work for like AEW, which is like one of the other major promotions outside of the WWE. And like they're they're doing stuff that is just as just as athletic if not more athletic which mm-hmm. is pretty impressive at times uh amy who is one of the girls that we've trained with hits harder than some of the guys i know um so they're definitely carving that out same thing with gali too like it's always interesting to see just the development of some of the female luchadoras out there mm-hmm. some of them masked, some of them unmasked and so like you even have like that tradition that goes on too with keeping their identities a secret which is always nice so it's definitely growing there's definitely a lot more of a need for it you're seeing some shows uh, one for example down in Texas mm-hmm. uh, called Mission Pro Wrestling which is an all women show mm-hmm. um, so there, there really is like that, that niche is being pushed further and further and there's more of, of a need and a demand for it and I think it's really starting to take a hold of like you know women's wrestling is just as good as men's wrestling if not better sometimes Mm. oh that's great that's good to hear yeah (laughs) Uh, so I know you are taking or you have been taking a break from wrestling because you know like your body (laughs) 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 but are you planning to go back um, to the ring yeah, so that's one thing with Luchadora that really helped me out is just kind of seeing what my body's capacity is. Um, for those that were able to see the show, I take usually about uh, four bumps, uh, mm-hmm. you know, per run through, and it's different than being in a ring because it's just that padding on the floor, right. and you definitely hear <laughs> you hear the thuds. Um, and so, what I took time off for was my shoulder, uh, and throughout the run through, like there have been some days where I've definitely been sore after, and I'm just like, uh, like. It's doing okay, but then there's been days where I'm just like this. I'm completely fine. Mm-hmm. So I was actually um, I have a show later this month, uh, March 19th. I'm actually kind of checking to see how it goes, um, but I'm thinking I'm gonna come back like at a slower basis and kind of just see how my body goes. Because man, before before and during the pandemic, when wrestling was sort of a thing, I was wrestling like every weekend, sometimes two or three times a weekend, and it just mm-hmm. it really got. Uh, very exhausting to where like I could just tell my body was not was not doing too hot and so mm-hmm. um, taking it slow ideally I get back to it full time but you know really because I want to make sure that I'm also just being mindful of you know my long term health and all of that because um, you see a lot of times where these individuals will just go 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 and then they reach like you know their mid to late thirties and their their bodies They're are done. broken down yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. trying to make sure I'm I'm taking care of myself in the long run because I know at some point I'm probably going to want to start a family and you know want to be able to do some things with them so mm-hmm. trying to trying to think the long term game here right. <laughs> and where is this show going to be here in Columbus or so somewhere else it is in Lima Ohio which is mm-hmm. about an hour and forty five minutes northwest so. Um, they run every month, so it's a more consistent booking. So I usually go out there. I'm trying to find some shows here in Columbus, but they're more infrequent just because there's so much to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit of a harder time to get consistent, you know, fans to a show here in Columbus. Right, but right. Um, we'll we'll see. If my body holds up, then I'll probably put a little bit more effort to get into some of the shows around here. Well, great, uh, Byron. Muchas gracias por esta conversación. 
Sí, muchas gracias también. It's always great to just chat with you and just kind of see, you know, what what's life been up to, especially just meeting more, uh, you know, la, Latin, you know, people here in, yeah, in Columbus. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, a todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. 